some praise from a parent that never gave it to you, that's long been dead, or a spouse that mistreated you and left you, they're long gone, or a friend, or a school teacher, or a pastor, somebody. They may not even be in your life no more, and you're trying your best. They call it performance orientation, <laughs> you know, that you're trying to perform. And somewhere in your heart, you're trying to please somebody or someone and trying to get them to finally accept you. Okay? A lot of people do that. It's ridiculous. Deep down in their heart, there's this thing driving them. But Jesus said this. This is what Jesus said. This is incredible what Jesus said. John 5, 44. How can you believe who receive honor from one another? In other words, how can you believe who receive praise from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from only God? In other words, he was, this is what Jesus was saying. If you're doing that, if you're living a life of hypocrisy, okay, then you ain't going to be able to live a life of faith. Your faith is hindered. And if your faith is hindered, then you can't have a spiritual life if you don't have faith. That's how bad hypocrisy is. That's why Jesus said that to, to Pharisees. He was a hypocrite. That's what many times in the Gospels he would look at Pharisees and he'd say hypocrite. That's how he would address them. And I think the Weiss translation has a great definition. How they translate hypocrite is actors on the stage of life. Actors on. I mean, ask yourself: Are you an actor on the stage of life? Are you? Is the real you, or are you living a false life to please people and get praise from them? Is that what you're doing? I bet you are. Is, I bet the Holy Spirit's probably telling, showing some people in here right now, or has been showing you already times when you've done that, or, or areas where you're doing it. It may be certain people, maybe good people, maybe your spouse is still alive. You know, it could be some spiritual leader that you really want to impress. <clears throat> or it could be some peer that you're really trying to look good. It could be your boss. You hear what I'm saying to you? It's legalism. It's bondage. It really is. It's bondage. And God wants to set you free from it because it's destructive. All right, let's go to the next one. Number three, let's read. Uh, this is all right here in the Bible, isn't it? Galatians 2. I've always thought Galatians was sort of a... I didn't really get into Galatians much, you know? Because I thought, ah, oh, you know, I'm so free-spirited God, and, you know, I ain't worried about getting into bondage about, you know, stuff until he started saying, yeah, mm-hmm, and you'll read the Bible if the house was on fire, wouldn't you? You know? And you'd get up and pray if you were sick and couldn't hold your head up. Don't you think there's something wrong with that? Don't you think your motives are sort of messed up there? You know, this is uh, Galatians 2.20. This is a wonderful verse. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law... And Christ died in vain. If a living relationship with God could come by rule-keeping, then Christ died unnecessarily. See, grace is a powerful force. 
And here's what legalism does. Legalism replaces grace with rules. That's exactly what it does. It replaces grace with rules. Uh, grace, uh, you know, the sun shining today is, what do we call that, common grace? Is that the theological term? Common grace. Everybody in the world has common grace. I mean, everybody not running over each other out there on the streets, common grace. <laughs> you know, you know, everybody can, you know, it's a, I mean, when you look at life and you wonder how in the world has God kept us from killing each other just out in the roads, you know, just driving cars and there's not more accidents, it's common grace. But it goes beyond that, and, and Titus, it says grace teaches us to live a godly life. It teaches us, that's what grace does, and to, and to deny ungodliness. That's one of the things it does. And it says in Acts 4, it says, The apostles with miracles and great power testified to the resurrection of Christ, and great grace was upon the church. And then it goes on and talks about nobody suffered in the church. Everybody had something. Nobody was doing without because great grace was on them. And you know how to tell if you're not living in a life, if you're living a life by rules instead of grace? It's, it's when your rules become more important than people. It's when your rules become more important than people. It's when rules precede grace. And where you're willing to dispense of relationships over some rules over some system that you have. In other words, your neighbor's house is on fire and you're too busy reading the Bible and being spiritual to go help them. Now, that's, there's a sickness in that. Now, I'm using extremities. Your house might not be on fire, but they may be in need over there and you're being spiritual and, you know, you're going to do all this stuff. You hear what I'm saying to you? You get the jest? That's how to tell if you're, not, if, you're living, if you're living under legalism. When you have a set of rules or there's some set of perceived rules that you live by, and they overrule people and relationships. I hate that. I hate it when there's a set of rules that can't be broken, where the letter of the law always precedes the spirit of the law. I hate that. I just hate it. Now, I believe you've got to have rules. You know, you go in the workplace. When I used to work as an engineer, I got in trouble because I was into that spirit of the law. And they'd be fussing at me because I let people work for me, do things they really probably shouldn't. They were stretching the rules to the max. And I would say, but it's the spirit of the law. You know, as long as they got their work done, that's all I cared about. But, you know, I mean, but you do have to have rules. I am not dismissing rules. But I'm telling you something. There's something wrong in a society where its rules are more important than the people in that society. You hear what I'm saying to you? And what ha legalism does that. That's what the Pharisees were into. They had all these rules, and they would step all over people to see their rules fulfilled. And, and you know, this is the truth. This is a bad word. But a church is damned. A church is damned. A ministry is damned that lives that way. Because that is not God. And that's why Jesus was willing to punch those Pharisees out if he was a fighter. If he had been a boxer, he would have stomped them. Yeah, but that's why he verbally went against them. And that's why he warned people against that stuff. Because he said they are loading up things on people they can't even carry themselves, and they're going to make, they're going to make these people a bigger son of hell than, than, than they are. You see, we can't have that kind of attitude in our life. We can't have it in our homes where we treat our children. We have these rules that they had to live under, that we couldn't live under. They weren't trying to make them toe some invisible line because that's the spiritual thing to do. Where individuals don't matter. Well, that is not God. That's legalism. 
And if you live that way, I'll tell you this morning, God is trying to speak to your heart about that kind of stuff. He's trying to say something to you. And I'll say a lot of our society lives that way and a lot of the church is that way. I really think that. And I don't like it. What is it? It's the battery. Are y'all with me? People can't become expendable for the rules. They just can't. Sometimes we have to break the rules for a person. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we have to throw the rules out the window for a person and say, this person is more important than my little system. This person is more important than what I think, the way I think it has to be. Are y'all with me? Or am I the only one? I've gotten in a lot of trouble about that, I'll be honest with you. Because <laughs> sometimes I might go too far with it, but I would like to be able to apply it to myself more. You see, that's really what we got to do, is we need to apply those things to ourselves personally. Okay? Because some of us think that God has this set of rules, that He's got over you, and if you don't do every one of those things that you think that God wants you to do and think that you must do, that He's going to be mad at you. And that's not the truth. That's from the devil. And that's where it all starts at. <clears throat> I just think God's mad about that this morning. I feel mad right now. And I'm, I was really happy until I started bringing I feel mad about that. I feel mad that there are part people that have been rejected because of the way they look. I feel mad about that this morning. I feel mad that people have been rejected because they're not very pretty in society. Well, if you hang around that person, people are going to think you're a jerk, you know. You know what I'm saying? I just feel mad about it, but it's not God. It is not God. God wants to set us free from that. That we can identify, because Jesus identified with the lowly. He identified with people who weren't pretty. In fact, Jesus wasn't very pretty, according to the Bible. He wasn't a pretty guy. He wasn't as handsome as Larry Faldo. <laughs> uh, Thank you, Lord. See, that makes me feel good that he wasn't real handsome. I can identify with the Lord. The Lord set us free from... See, this is bondage. We're in this bondage. We're in this bondage. All right, Galatians 3. Old foolish Galatians, verse 1. Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being perfected or being made perfect by the flesh? All right, point number four. Legalism replaces the power of the Spirit with self-effort. Okay, self-effort. Now, here's my definition of self-effort. Self-effort is an attempt to complete by your own efforts. That was a, a no-no. You can't use the same word in a definition, but I did it anyway. By your own efforts, by your own attempts, something begun by God. That's what self-effort is. And that's legalism. Now, the best example is right here. And uh, look in Galatians 4. Let me read verse 13 through 15. This is a wonderful example right here about being locked into self-effort. 
This is what Paul was saying to them. You know, in verse 13, chapter 4, that because of a physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at first. In my trial, which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. What then was the blessing you enjoyed? For I bear witness that, if possible, you have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Okay? Evidently, Paul had some sort of eyeball problem, I think, some disease, and he had ugly eyes. Okay? They were real ugly. And he had this breakout of his ugly eyes. And, but the people were so touched by God. So, you know, God came in and touched them people so powerfully that they, in a very real and genuine sense, would have pulled their eyeballs out if they could have given them to Paul. That's how blessed they were. That's how they were so in touch by the love of God and the power of God. That was what was happening in their life. Okay? You got that picture in your mind? That's what was going on with them. And, but look what he said in verse 11. This is, wow, this is right before he said that. He said, I'm afraid for you. Least I have labored for you in vain. On the one hand, at the beginning, they were just touched by God. God did something in their life powerful, and they were willing to go to that extreme. If they could, if it had been possible, they would have said, here, you can have our eyes because God has used you and touched you, and we see you as being the Lord and that's how powerful they touched. But look how far they had gotten away that Paul was saying, man, this stuff is in vain in your, your life. Ask yourself this question. Have you been ever really been touched by God? I mean, just really touched by the Lord. Really blessed. And, and love overflowed through your life. Okay? Maybe you're not like that no more. Maybe you're not like that no more. And that's what he was saying. Something happened to you. Something has happened to you. And I'm afraid about it. I'm afraid all this may have been vanity. Because you went from being living a Spirit-filled life, a life led by the Holy Spirit, to something else. You went to the flesh. Now, here's some things, some warning signs that you have fallen into a self-effort type of spirituality. Okay? This is just some warning signs. And ask yourself... Does this fit me? Number one, spiritually stiff. In other words, your Bible reading, your prayer, going, you're just going through the motions. You're mechanical. If that be the truth, I can tell you without question, you are in a self-effort mode. You are not being led by the Holy Spirit. Okay? Number two, you have become emotionally rigid. In other words, remember how God used to touch you? I mean, maybe you was a person who would weep. Maybe you was a person who would worship the Lord at the drop of a hat. But now you're emotionally rigid. Those things don't touch you no more for some reason. Your emotions are not touched. You know? You hear what I'm saying to you? I mean, I'm telling you there's people in this room that you at one time, they had a passion for God. It was evident in their life. And now they're as rigid as a, a dead body. This rigor mortis has set in their life. And I'm going to tell you, there's some people who you need to ask yourself that question. Why is rigor mortis set in my life? What happened to you? What happened to you? It's because you began in the Spirit, but now you're in the flesh. And that's what's going to happen. You're going to get rigor mortis. And that's the truth. 
You've become mentally inflexible. Mentally, I mean, this is all sort of the same deal, but it's different aspects of your life. Mentally inflexible. In other words, everything fits inside your little box. This is the way it has to be. If it doesn't fit in that box, it doesn't work. You quit coloring outside the lines, but when you got saved, you were coloring outside the lines. When you got filled with the Holy Spirit, you were coloring outside the lines. You were open to God doing stuff that may not you may have not experienced before or never had personally. And you know, but now, mm-mm. no, everything has to be in the lines. This is the way it has to be, or we ain't doing it. Another one, you become become non-spontaneous. Now, some people are not real spontaneous by nature. You know, I'm one of those people. I hate to say. But I married somebody who's real spontaneous. So they're real extremely spontaneous. I'm extremely unspontaneous just on the natural plane. So, hey, let's go to the beach. When? Right now. Uh, I need about three weeks to think about it and <laughs> to plan it and <laughs> get all the details down, and then I may not do it. You know? But spiritually, I want to be spontaneous. But there's no flow in your life. You know what I'm saying? There quits to be, be in that flow. And everything has to be, quote, done decently and in order. That's what the Bible says. It has to be decently and in order, yet we don't understand what God means by decent. You know, some things that God may say is decent would be indecent to us. And I'm guaranteeing God's order is not even nowhere near our order. Like I say, this is the really best example there is. Walk out there in the yard and look at the way those trees are planted and tell me, would you plant trees like that? No, you wouldn't. You'd have them in a straight line like we got these chairs in this room. Straight line. But if God put these chairs in here, they'd be all over the place. There'd be some over here. There'd be some over there. Just, they wouldn't be in order to them. See, God has a different order than we have. He really does. And see, when we try to exact that scripture and, and make everybody walk, you know, let's plant the trees in a line. They had to be exactly three feet apart. You know, and they had to be right down this line. You tie a string from here to here and all this mess. I've done it. Go look in my yard. And I look at those trees all the time, and I look at the trees in the back of my yard and said, those are the trees I planted, those are the trees that God planted. And those trees that God planted look a lot better, I'll tell you the truth. And that's the truth. You become critical. Are you critical? Are you gotten real critical about things? Are you petty about things? Are you self-righteous? Are you manipulative? Trying to manipulate things for them? Are you controlling? Those are all signs of a person who's fallen out of being led by the Holy Spirit and are trying to finish their life through their own natural efforts. All right, I'm going to finish right here. Are we, are we okay? Um, the last one is this, is uh, verse 10 of chapter 3. And there is just so much more in this book that you can't do in 37 minutes, but <clears throat> it's a powerful book. For as many as are the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Curse is everyone who does not continue in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So legalism carries a curse. And this is the curse. The curse is a rigid life doomed. Let me just say it's a rigid life doomed to intolerance of others, chained to self-effort, and covered in self-righteousness with guilt being the greatest motivator in your life. That is the curse. It's a self-curse that we bring upon ourselves. It's not like God slings some nasty thing down on you. You've got this nasty thing. Intolerance of others. Are you intolerant of others? 
Doomed. That's doomed. Chained to your own self-effort. Best you can do. Covered in your own self-righteousness. With guilt being the greatest motivator in life. The product of legalism is unbelief. That's exactly what it is. Unbelief. That's the product of it. You know, two times two is equal four. That's a product, right? Isn't that right? Two times two. Don't they call multiplication products? Well, the product of this is unbelief. And this is an unbelief produces timidity. Anybody here timid this morning? Come on. You timid about things? Well, you might have some unbelief in your life the reason you're timid. And timidity produces indecisiveness. You're indecisive about things? It goes back to legalism. And indecisiveness leads to defeat. I came up with that little thing out of my own life, the pattern I've seen in my life. I trace my defeat back. I trace it back to indecisiveness. I trace it back to being timid. I trace it back to being in unbelief. I trace unbelief back to being in bondage to legalism. I think we got legalism in our life. I think God wants to set us free. I think we got to start despising it and hating it like Jesus. Amen? All right, I want to ask you this morning. I love altar calls. Jonathan Edwards loved altar calls. You might know who Jonathan Edwards is. <laughs> Here's the altar call. I want to ask you a question. Do you think the Lord spoke to you this morning about it? If you feel like God spoke to you, I want you to respond to the altar call. Here's the altar call. If you feel like God revealed to you in any area of your life where you may be getting into legalism, I'd like for you to come forward right now. Just come on up here and we're going to pray for you. Any of those things. See, God wants to set you free. He wants you to be free. Because Jesus died for you to be free. It's a gift from God. Okay? A gift. Free gift. Jesus' gift to us. Well, we've got so many people. We're going to pray over them, each one of them. If we can have some people in the ministry team to come up to pray over every person up here. So can we have some prayers to come forth? And prayers, come over here and stand up here on this right here. I need some people to pray. We're going to pray to people. This is serious. Jesus wants to set you free. We want to pray for you. Ask God to... I am crucified with Christ. That's what the Bible said. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ in me. By His Spirit. That enables you to live a life of freedom. And we don't have to worry about getting into lawlessness if Jesus is doing it. You know, I mean, I ain't worried. I'm not even worried. Jesus never worried about it. He, didn't, he just fussed at people who were in lawlessness. You know? He rebuked them. He didn't worry about people getting people free. Oh, I better not get them free because they'll fall into lawlessness. Oh, so let's keep them in bondage. You know? Jesus wants to set you free. I really believe that. I feel like in my life, I feel like what uh, Sergo was saying about living in the future. That's a simple thing, but that's bondage. Always hoping for tomorrow. Always hoping for something else. You know, and not living in the now. That's bondage. 
So, Father, I just want to pray. Can we get a couple more prayers up here? We need some more prayers to pray for people. Lord, I want to just pray a general prayer. Let's pray for them. Uh, Then we'll dismiss everybody who wants to go. But, Lord, I believe the Bible said to stand fast, to fight against the same. Lord, so we're going to to say to you that the anointing destroys yokes. And God, I believe that if people feel like they have bondage in their life, you won't destroy the yoke. It's not a matter of hoping you will. I believe you want to. And God, I believe you want us to simply repent and ask you to forgive us. And I believe you will give us the power to live a life of freedom in Christ. So I'm asking you to do that for every person standing up here, Lord, that that feels like they're getting trapped in bondage in some way, that, that you, Lord, would break the power of that bondage over them by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It would break it over them, God. They would get free. They could be who they are, who you created them to be. Because you have created them uniquely and wonderfully to express the glory of Christ. And God, all that bondage does is keeps us from being everything you said we are. And God, we're coming against that this morning. And we're saying to you that we want to be a people that we're saying we are happy with who we are in Christ. We don't have to be like the people down the road. We don't have to be like our neighbor. We don't have to do that stuff no more. We don't have to please people in an unrighteous sense. We don't have to look at the people that would their praise would make us feel good and always be concerned about what they're thinking. That we can just shed all that stuff. We could get rid of guilt this morning. And God, we could come to you because we want to be with you. Because we love you. And we want to have a relationship with you. Not because we better read the Bible. We better go to church. We better pay our tithes. We better do all these so-called spiritual things. But Lord, we do it because the Spirit of God is alive in us. And His heart is beating in us. And His heart is hungry for God. His heart is hungry to please the Father. And He would release that into our lives, into our minds, and even into our flesh. He would quicken these mortal bodies. We're asking you to do that this morning, God. So just remove right now, God, these yokes of slavery that are on your people. Just break them off in Jesus' name. Break them off, God. Destroy the yokes, God. Destroy them in Jesus' name. Every person that has yokes of slavery on them that are suffering, God, in this area, that they could get free and be free. And they would fight for their freedom, Lord. They would fight for They wouldn't let themselves be put in a harness of slavery ever again, Lord Jesus. We thank you for the Lord. We just release your grace right now, God, the grace of God. I want to tell you something. If you're religious this morning, God wants to set you free from being religious. Lord, we come against a religious spirit, an attitude that we're better than others. Just, Lord, we can just can that thing right back into hell where it came from. We just can it, God. Lord, we declare today that we will be daughters of Sarah, of the free woman, not of Hagar, the slave. We reject that Hagar uh, mentality. God, and we receive the, the Sarah by faith. Hebrews 11, 11 says, By faith, uh, Sarah was able to conceive and give birth to life, to Isaac. Thank you, Lord. 
just pray. You know, and once you've received prayer, if you're on the ministry team, would you please just pray for somebody? And, any, you know, we can be dismissed in the Lord. Just be free. But go in freedom, but be really free on the inside. You could be in the jail cell and not and be free on the inside. But you can live in America and be in bondage. Get free! Jesus died for that! Jesus laid His life down for you to be free in Him. He did that for you. He died for you. It's yours. It is your inheritance. It's freedom in Jesus. Get free! And reject that stuff. Reject those thoughts. Lord, we want to be free as a church, God. To be who You've called us to be and do what You've called us to do. Not have to be like everybody else. Thank You, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you guys.